Welcome to the OSS Show of Entrepreneurship and Regional Development Podcasts. Each publication in our journal is a great opportunity to share significant and audacious contributions to a large audience. My guests today are Sarah Dodd and Juliet Wilson. They are both from the University of Strathclyde in Glasgow. They both published an article entitled Crafting Growth Together. They published this article with their co-author Maya Carambella and Mike Danson. It has been published in the volume 33, number 9 and 10 of Entrepreneurship and Regional Development, a journal edited by Taylor and Francis. Sarah, Juliette, welcome to our podcast. Thank, Thank you. you. Can you tell us what is the origin of this paper? Why have you decided to address this particular topic? And what is the question you aim to answer? Hello, Vincent, and thank you so much for inviting myself and Juliet to come and chat about our paper. We're really happy to talk about this project because we love with retrospect the way its process mirrored Craftbring's own collaborative approaches. We've been part of the critical chorus within our field for a long time, um, calling for a more radical, embedded, everyday entrepreneurship scholarship, looking at much wider forms of value than simply the economic, taking an increasingly collective view of entrepreneurship as a process and actively pursuing more sustaining forms of enterprise, socially and environmentally, in response to our crisis society's challenges. So we'd spent a lot of time working on growth at firm, network, regional, country level, because uh, we're really old. And we'd become very concerned that a dominant model had emerged, completely disconnected from our own insights and particularly our field experiences. We saw that there was a single kind of hegemonic growth narrative emerging around what we could caricature, I guess, as a high-tech, equity-funded, rapid user-scaling, exit-strategied, elitist, sales-hungry, money-focused model. And all that seemed to matter now was the exponential growth in shareholder value of individual entrepreneurial firms. And we were getting these messages, um, not just through the, the orthodox literature, but I think also through our institutions and local policy pressure. Uh, and it was disturbing us because we live and work in a city, Glasgow, with all the grim challenges of post-industrialization. And we really believe our job is about helping to deal with the economic transitions in a fair, creative and engaged fashion. Anyway, craft beer was emerging as a challenger sector, a high growth news segment, which we knew just didn't behave like this. It wasn't about exponential growth in shareholder value of individual entrepreneurial firms, quite the reverse. All four of us in the team, Juliet, myself, Mike and Maria, had already worked quite deeply uh, with a range of other co-authors and contacts in the craft beer sector. Our work, the lit and the sector were giving us these really strong signals that resources, processes and structures are organized above firm level in communities of practice. That collaboration was embraced even when a more pricey option um, because of the knowledge, the legitimacy and the social gains that came with it. We also saw some really, really strong local patterns, but these were playing out against the quite pronounced emerging global culture for the sector uh, with deep international connections and local roots. So our original plan was to build a team for a Great Big Horizon 2020 project. And in a first academic workshop, we brought together everyone we all knew in brewing from around Europe, which was quite a lot of folk, to chat about research possibilities for a couple of days. And here our focus was on the potential of craft brewing as a catalyst, an anchor institution 
or a wider movement to drive sustainable and sustaining growth, which is what this paper is about. We got a bit stuck on the big proposal and that inevitably was never written. But as part of this process to move things along and keep the conversation going, the Strathclyde Quartet managed to get a little bit of engagement funding for some workshops on the theme. There was just enough finance and admin support to fly in our academic friends, a brewer or two of their choice from nine European countries. So the workshop methodology, which Juliet will explain in a bit, meant we had 40 specialist academics, brewers and policymakers working together in mixed groups to figure out what might be going on here and then coming back again to reflect on their findings and help us begin the analysis. So after the workshops, we four first wrote a policy white paper and then scripted some feedback videos and finally turned to the task of producing an academic paper, this academic paper, to share what we've learned about alternatives to toxic growth from artisan brewers and their communities. What are the, the main contributions of your paper? We think there are five main contributions. Firstly, um, four main empirical contributions and then a bit on theory. First, we, we do present a very clear example of an inclusive distributed model of sexual growth, which stretches itself up, down and along all its channels. It's inherently pro-social, it's inherently pro-planet, and yet it still manages to be pro-growth. Secondly, we show craft entrepreneurship, uh, brewing um, entrepreneurship, striving to maximize multiple forms of value or capital. It's not just about the money. And using knowledge and social interaction to build ever wider communities of knowledge, engagement and enactment. We think this is really important because economic success is deprioritized in favor of a passionate need to create, to celebrate and to share cultural capital around beer and brewing. Thirdly, we show the importance of building authentic communities of a democratized knowledge as a foundation form, as, as the locus of, if you like, the place where growth happens. Um, fourthly, and finally from the empirics, we show there's also a really shrewd practical recognition of the opportunities and barriers which regional and national institutions comprise and how they can help sexual growth or impede it. It wasn't quite as romanticized as we might have anticipated. Um, there was quite a lot of... Uh, a practical, formal, theoretical stuff that we could have been teaching, you know, in other parts of the, uh, less funky parts in the business school. Our fifth theoretical contribution is a challenge to Bourdieuian approaches, including our own, um, because we do use Bourdieu to frame the paper here, of course we do, but we have a section in the conclusion where we talk about the very real need to extend this kind of language, to talk about resources differently, um, and not just about capitals, and to think about stewarding and sharing these resources and not just about converting um, and investing. What was for you the main theoretical or methodological challenges in addressing such a question? Hello, Vincent. Um, I'll, I'll take this one. Um, what was really interesting for us was it wasn't the workshops, their design, the events, making sense of all the data, all of that was just wonderful. And we think the videos capture some of that. And our funder, Sui, um, we really must credit for taking all our admin pain away too. No, the real challenge was in getting the Academy to appreciate the method enough to publish the results. We were very surprised at reviewer resistance in the first couple of quite avant-garde mainstream journal issues we submitted to. 
it was with some relief we decided to position the paper firmly on our shared home turf as a regional development through entrepreneurship study, which is exactly what it was. The workshops should have been a challenge, but we reckon they worked because we were working with a community of academics and practitioners who all embraced a collective, collaborative and supportive ethos, while at the same time a questioning critical approach to everything we did. They were a wonderful group to work with throughout the process of data collection and understanding. During your research journey, what was your biggest surprise or the most counterintuitive result? Apart from the very eclectic journals thinking our approach was too experimental and collaborative, it's so hard keeping an open mind in a field you've come to know really well, isn't it? And such a relief when you have some counterintuitive findings which help us feel more objective. And here we were really lucky in that the participants did their own analysis and we just had to, had to accept it and what they found. And probably the thing that we were very surprised at were the really clear proposals for more formal institutional structures around quality control, training, skills, accreditation. This was a mature strategy which drew on insightful parallels with whiskey and wine, but it wasn't at all what we expected to see from this bunch of crazy innovators. What are the main implications of your work for entrepreneurs, managers, policymakers, practitioners in general? Um, the thing I'm going to talk about here is the policymakers. Um, and for policymakers, we set out in our white paper, which we also wrote um, from our findings in this study, six main policy and de developmental priority areas. And these were resourcing growth, marketing communications, market expansion, building skills, working with the value chain, and crucially, legislation and support structures. And you might say that these appear quite predictable requirements for sectoral and regional development. But what we would argue is that in each case, as we outline in the paper, these areas were articulated within the context of innovative, distributed, knowledge-driven communities of practice holding many resources in common. And what we argue with this paper, it is this additional way of being, this habitus of crafting growth together, which gives such sustaining and sustainable value to the sector. Thanks a lot, Julieta and Sarah, for participating to our show and presenting your paper entitled Crafting Growth Together. All our podcasts are available on entrepreneurship-ird.com and on the main podcast platforms. Thank you. Thank you so much.